Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at the text for our podcast today. Starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us, In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. A few years ago, I had the unfortunate opportunity to be sitting in the emergency room with my wife and some chest paint. The doctor was asking all kinds of questions of me, where the pain was, on a scale how bad was it, what I had ate that day, and so on. He then asked me if there was a history of heart problems in my family. When I replied, I'm not sure, he asked if I knew of any on my mother's side. I answered no. He then asked about my father's side. I looked at my wife and said, I don't really know. He looked at me a little bewildered, but moved on. You see, when I was four years old, The man I call my father adopted me. This little piece of information I didn't find out about until I was around 12 or 13 years old. I had up to that point wondered, why was I the only one in my family with brown eyes? And couldn't really quite get a handle on why, if I was turning, let's say, 13, how my parents are celebrating their 12th wedding anniversary. My mother eventually sat me down and told me the truth, how my dad, out of love, had chose to make me his own. She pointed out to me that if I ever wanted to meet my biological father, she could arrange it. I quickly replied, No, I already have a dad. 
I've had the opportunity several times from my life to go and meet this biological father of mine, and each time I've declined. Unfortunately, later on my parents were divorced, and I decided to stay and live with the man who chose me and said goodbye to my mother, my brother, and my sisters. After a few years, I moved in with my mother, and when I was about 16 or 17 years old, she came to me and told me that her husband, my stepfather, had chosen to adopt my brothers and sisters, and he would do the same for me also if I liked. I chose not to because my dad had chosen me. Later in my life, I would have the same opportunity that my father had. I was going to choose to make two wonderful children my own. I remember the day we had to go see the judge in the judge's chambers. A lot of thoughts were running through my mind. I thought of my dad, who many years earlier was doing the same thing, who even though he's not perfect, I'm still proud to call my dad. The judge asked me if I would take care of Natasha and AJ as I would my wife and my other children. He asked if I understood what that would mean, that they would be entitled to a portion of my inheritance just as my other family members. I replied, I do understand. And today, in my eyes, I have five children. In my mind, I have always had five children and will always have five children. So when Paul writes of adoptions in Ephesians chapter 1, I understand what it means to be chosen. The first step in adoption is the process. The parents who are looking to adopt a child need to go through a certain process. Preparations need to be made, backgrounds need to be investigated, and all the boxes need to be checked off the list. This is so strangers just can't walk off with any child. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 verse 5, God prepared for us before time began. He also says that he is well qualified to adopt us. In other words, he checked all the boxes. In verse 3, he states that God has everything we need in Christ. Now, as the children, we receive the benefits of this preparation. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9-11 through 11. The benefits for us as being the children who are being adopted? Knowledge, spiritual wisdom, understanding, living lives worthy of the Lord, in other words, fully pleasing our Heavenly Father, able to bear fruit in every good work, being strengthened by His power. In verse 4 of Ephesians 1, 
Paul tells us that we can be like our Father, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Have you ever thought of yourself as being holy and blameless? That's the benefit of being an adopted child of God. If we continue on one more verse in Colossians chapter 1, that is verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Did you catch that? To share in the inheritance of the saints. As a child of God, we get to share in the inheritance. Just as I was asked if I understood that when my children were adopted, that meant they would be able to have the inheritance of my estate. Look at verses 7 through 10 one more time. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. Paul's talking about after we become adopted through Jesus by God, we get redeemed, the child saved. You've heard stories of children in orphanage longing for the day that they are chosen. The day when out of all the other children, that particular child is prized more than they are. The days the child waits are incomplete, lacking the emotional needs he or she dearly requires. But eventually the price is paid for he or she, and they are now joined to a family that love them. It's redemption. God foreordained the plan in which we would be adopted according to his will. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 5. That plan provided a way in which Jesus would have to suffer to the point of death for us. That plan means we are forgiven of our trespasses, as he points out in verse 7. And in verse 8, Paul says he did this, he being Jesus, with lavishness. Lavish, it's a great word. It means generous, extravagant, not holding back. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. For he, God, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This great act of love is the plan that God put in place for us to become adopted children of his. And his only begotten son didn't look at it as sharing the wealth. He looked at it as loving us enough to die. The father used wisdom and insight to provide the right time in revealing his will as Paul points out in verses 9 and 11 of Ephesians 1. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 says this, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Paul tells us in these sections of scriptures that it was the perfect time for God to let us know the plan of redemption. It was the perfect time for God to say, I'm going to adopt people. He also provided us his complete will. The reviewers of that will have been different people. The first reviewer, obviously, was Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. The next group of revealers might be the apostles. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The apostles that traveled and spent so much time with Jesus were taught by Jesus were given commandments by Jesus. And the apostles were told, go out into the world, baptize people, teach them to observe the things that I have taught and commanded you. And last, but certainly not least, Paul. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ 
and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Paul was the last apostle appointed, and certainly the mysteries of God were revealed to him, and he did wonderful and magnificent things to teach others those mysteries. The perfect will of God has been given to us, mankind, to be known. And we also know that the will of God is complete. Turn with me, if you will, to Jude. Let's look at verse 3. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Revelations 22 and 19 says, And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. There's nothing more to be added to the Bible. The Bible is complete. It is the perfect will of God. It is what he desires us to know and to learn as children of God. Paul also said in Ephesians 1 that we get a certain benefit known as an inheritance. The adopted child has all the rights to the parent's estate. That a child is equal to any other sibling and enjoys all the same benefits. So we get to receive an inheritance. As he states in verse 11, according to his purpose. What is the inheritance? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If we continue looking in 1 John and flip over to chapter 4, verse 17. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Part of our inheritance is being able to be bold, to understand the love of God, to understand that perfect love, there is no fear of punishment, because we will stand holy, blameless, and without reproach before him. In verses 12 to 14 of Ephesians chapter 1, and let's just look at that text one more time. To the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Our inheritance is guaranteed by the word of truth. This word of truth is Christ. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John starts out his gospel by talking about the deity of Christ, how that Jesus was with God, is God, and nothing was created without him. In Ephesians 1 verse 13, Paul tells us that our inheritance is sealed by the Holy Spirit. If you think about this, Many times in history, and even so today, important documents would have a king or queen seal on it. Today you might have a notary seal or a gold medallion stamp. The purpose of these things is to show that this document was authorized by them. The Holy Spirit works in unison again with the Father and Son in our inheritance. Paul often points to this and calls it the unity of the Godhead. I know the feeling of being an adopted child, and I know the feeling of adopting a child. God has blessed me in that way. But I say most of you know how an adopted child feels when chosen, because we have been chosen by God to be His child, so long as we obey His will. Paul tells us that Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, that is an eternal truth and one that I am forever grateful. The question that comes to mind today is, are you willing to be adopted today? Are you willing to be redeemed today? Are you willing to have your inheritance guaranteed by the word of truth and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And if you were to die today, would there be a crown of righteousness awaiting you in heaven? Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about. 